At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Have you ever dreamed of starting your own photography business? If yes, then check out our new course, How to Start a Photography Business. It's led by pro-American photographer Crystal Kenny. She offers a breakdown on everything you need to succeed and make great money running your own photography business. Check out the link in the show notes to find out more. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with Alex Vita, a web designer and photographer with many years of experience. Alex talks about his experience as a web designer, what you need to avoid when you create a photography website, the importance of UX performance, and why SEO is not the most important thing in the world, and much more. Please enjoy. Hey, Alex. Welcome to Great Big Photography World podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, Daya. Thanks for having me. I'm Alex. I'm basically a web designer working exclusively with photographers. So I know the photography industry inside out, and I only help photographers across the world kind of improve their online presence, mostly to do with the website, but also marketing stuff besides the website. Um, and I run a, a website called foregroundweb.com, which is just uh, an educational website with a ton of articles and resources for photographers about websites. And that's where I also kind of showcase my services as well. It's really cool that you have this passion for photography and you also have something that is related to photography, but isn't exactly photography. You help others. And it's nice to have that balance, to have these two passions, right? Yeah. Great. Let's talk about your life before you became a web designer. So as I saw on your website, you were into, and you still are into, photography. So how did you get into photography, and how did that lead to the creation of your company? Um, well, I, I studied computer science, but I, I never liked kind of a comfy office job in IT. I, I felt more 
creative in in a sense and i i was passionate about photography and i started to be a freelance photographer i shot a few weddings i had my own photo studio headshot studio at home i sold a few stock images travel images um so i kind of experimented early on with the struggles that photographers face um but then I, I built my own website, uh, my, my old website that got noticed by a bunch of other photographers. Um, and it kind of snowballed from there. I, I became proficient in building websites for other photographers. And now that's my main focus. But I still have that old experience with the struggles of photography myself. So I think that helps me resonate with what current photographers are going through. And um, that's why I kind of have feet in both sides of the of the aisle. So that's it. Mm, I totally understand. And I think it's nice that you have that experience as a photographer, because if you didn't, maybe it would be more difficult to resonate with photographers and to understand their struggles. But since you know how difficult it is, then you know exactly how to find solutions to photographers' problems when they create websites. Yeah, and th- those solutions are are in twofold basically one are the the technical aspects of building a website um and not all photographers are very tech savvy um often photographers are very creative and artsy and they don't necessarily want to learn the platforms and tools and plugins and coding and all of that so my background in computer science obviously helps with that but also it's the psychological struggles of a photographer. I I often see photographers um, struggling to grow their business because of lack of courage, because of lack of clarity, um, soft skills, not technical skills. And that's when my, my experience helps a bit to get them unstuck somehow and try to provide them clarity. Yeah, it's really important to work with a professional, especially, as you said, if a photographer doesn't really like the technical side of things. And I think it's completely fine if photographers don't want to get into that. It's important to have people like you who can help them with that. Um, So, yeah, you don't need to force yourself to learn about the technical side of things if you don't want to. Just like uh, you don't want photographers don't want their clients to to work with their niece to take their photos they want to hire an expert in the photography industry that's them the photographers similarly the photographer can offset the technical work to an expert in the web design industry it's the same mindset basically exactly yeah and then they'll have more time to do what they actually love as opposed to struggling and getting frustrated Mm -hmm. seo and just building a website in general it's definitely difficult i've had a lot of struggles with that so i completely understand anyone who's struggled with this themselves So since you have so much experience with creating photography websites, what advice would you give to a photographer who wants to create a great website that attracts clients? Well, a great website is basically a a website that gets photographers results. Uh, And by results, I mean getting more inquiries, more sales, helping them position themselves as an an expert in their niche. Um, And those results... It's not just technical stuff. Getting results from the website requires knowing what their business goals are, treating photography as a business at first, not just a hobby, then knowing what their goals are, knowing how to measure those goals, what their audience is, and then building a website 
and an online presence in general that helps with those goals. And that's when I can come in as a, as a web design expert to help them achieve those goals. But it still starts with the work from the photographer to define their business, their positioning, their goals. So I can use that to build a good website. And then what technically makes a photography website great, um, it's, I, I would say it, it rests on a few different pillars. Number one is image quality in general. Of course, this comes first. Um, websites, no matter how good they are, they're just a multiplier of the quality of, of the photography itself. You, you can't put lipstick on a pig, what's the expression? Um, it's still a multiplier. So the image quality comes first, but then it's how the website is clear and easy to use, um, how the website has enough text content, not just photography, and we can dive into that a bit because it's it's important. And then the website needs to be mobile friendly and fast to load and, you know, show large images for visual impact, have a good about page, have call to actions and a bunch of other minor stuff. But it kind of starts with the quality of the images and clarity and ease of use as a user experience factor. Right. Of course, there are different kinds of photographers, so there are so many different kinds of websites that can be created. But let's use, let's say, like a portrait photographer as an example, somebody who wants to find more clients to take family photos, just couple photos, whatever. What kind of sections or headings should they have on their website in addition to having a portfolio? There should be a contact page. What else? Well, homepage, uh, a portfolio section, definitely. Um, some sort of services page. Um, I've seen this called in different ways. Uh, maybe it's services, maybe it's exper the experience of working with them or something like that. Um, about page, definitely. Um, contact page, obviously, needs to be last in the navigation menu. Uh, then I guess this would be a, a minimum for a simple portfolio-based website, but depending on their business, it can expand into much more. Like it can have a dedicated blog, a blog area to post educational articles on their niche. Um, they can have some sort of pricing section um, that's optional. Not all photographers want to display prices on the website. And I'm cool with that when building websites. But I think photographers need to at least address prices in some fashion like these packages, these services start at this price and they depend on your needs or some something of that fashion. Um, that would be the minimum. And then it depends on their business. Like if they're selling prints or licenses, downloads, it needs to have a, a store area, an e-commerce section. Um, if they're selling tours or workshops, again, the, the website can grow from there, but that would be the bare minimum, I think. You mentioned the importance of text on a website. So how can people add more text? Is it just by creating a blog with different posts or should other sections of their, of their website have more text? Uh, it's, it's more than just blogging. Um, and this the need for more text um, comes from the fact that it's kind of a shift in the 
web industry in general uh, in the last five years let's say people like to search a lot and it, it comes down to impatience to try to find information quickly and just just think about the browsing habits in general uh, people are doing google searches when they're landing on a website they're doing internal site searches uh, when they're landing on a a long page, they're doing a search on the page in their browser, or they're using blog categories or tags to quickly find what they're looking for. It's no longer about spending minutes and tens of minutes crawling around to find something. So that's text content that needs to be on the website, and it helps both users and Google for SEO purposes. And that's Describing your photos through image metadata, uh, image titles, captions, maybe keywords to provide context about each photo. That helps SEO as well, of course. Then it's about gallery description. So any sort of gallery page, portfolio page should have at least one paragraph of text at the top explaining what that gallery is all about. Don't just dive straight into the thumbnails. Um, any other sort of context for you every main main page on the website um, it's not just listing services or packages and putting prices write text sections on the page how is it like to work with you as a photographer what are the benefits of working with you how are you different from other photographers in in, in your niche all of that is text content and some photographers because of the visual nature of the medium uh, they ignore text if you're enjoying this podcast make sure to check out creatives off script a podcast where they interview top creatives from all industries from the number one commercial director in the world to the cmo of peloton you can hear amazing stories of success and creative inspiration find creatives off script on apple podcasts or anywhere else that you listen yeah, that's great advice. Text is very important because it can give potential clients a clear idea of who you are as a photographer. It can help them relate to you more. And text is obviously related to SEO. And SEO can be a very scary term for a lot of people, especially if they're not that familiar with the technical aspect of building a website. Mm -hmm. So what do most photographers get wrong about SEO and how can it help them? And what can they do if they're struggling with it? Um, SEO is, is a loaded subject because, and I think many photographers have kind of the wrong approach and mindset to SEO. I know that because when I get a lot of emails from photographers, they're usually asking, how can I rank number one on Google? They don't even know what keywords to rank for or what goes into ranking high it's just this um, seo is often this mirage of ranking number one on google and getting a ton of traffic for it while ignoring what the traffic does if it exists and it reaches the website it, it fails to convert because the website has other mistakes technical mistakes and clarity and design issues so i call this kind of photographers have this sort of obsession or procrastination with, with SEO. And the better approach is to think of it more in terms of user experience. If you make your website good for user experience, 
then Google will notice as well and will rank you higher. Of course, there are different SEO specific factors like you need to make your website indexable. You need to have those SEO tags in place and getting backlinks from other websites. It's still probably the number one SEO factor. But other than that, it's about making your website good in terms of user experience, which in turn will help SEO. It's kind of a small shift in mindset and um, it's it's difficult it's it's more difficult SEO it, it feels simpler because okay uh, you're trying to put more tags more keywords on the website trying to dump the this these three keywords into all the all tags and hitting tags it's it sounds like a game you can master technically but it's no longer that way Google has changed is its priorities and it's more about user experience now right and that's why it's important to work with an expert who knows all the changes that google is making and who knows how to make sure that you rank high but also when people do visit your website that you get clients and that it's not just useless so you made a really good point about seo not being the only thing you need to take care of obviously user experience is just as important yeah and i don't want to sound like um I'm not big on SEO. I definitely understand the power that SEO can have, but uh, not at the expense of bigger mistakes on the website. Like like I said, it's dumping more people at at the top of the funnel, so to speak, to, to bring them to the website through SEO is great. Numbers go up, but then what does that? How does that traffic convert into actionable results? Into getting inquiries for your services or selling some prints? It usually doesn't. The, the conversion rates are awful on average on photography websites because of mistakes on the website. Um, and it's this balance. User experience does not precede SEO. It is SEO. And Google has obviously, people have been trying to game the SEO system for a long time with all these trick, tips and tricks, technical stuff. And Google has closing all the loops possible and making it about user experience. That's why they're making performance uh, a ranking factor. That's why it's they're looking into website behavior, how the website is, how the traffic is coming to a website and what does it doing. If it notices that people click on a search result and they immediately bounce or something like that, obviously the, the website is not worth it to, to rank high. Well, it's all very complicated. It is. It, it sounds complicated, but the solution is just, just to make the website as useful and easy to use for visitors. And in turn, that will help uh, you rank higher as well. Yeah. So in addition to having the wrong idea about SEO and just focusing completely on SEO, what other technical mistakes do photographers make often? Well, um, technical mistakes on the website usually come down to small design mistakes. Um, and here I would put stuff like um, a cluttered header on the website. And it's kind of difficult to um, know where to click. It's messy, it's busy. The navigation menu is not simple. It's either too large, too confusing. Um, also, mistakes like poor typography, the reading experience is bad, uh, the website is 
It's slow to load. Uh, it's not mobile friendly. You need to pinch and zoom to to navigate it. Um, maybe the the background color or texture is distracting. Is taking the attention away from the photos. Um, let's see what what else I've seen. Uh, broken links. I'm clicking on a button on the home page and I end up on a 404 page. Um, Splash pages, intro pages. I, I'm so annoyed when I land on a photography website and I don't get to the home page. I'm just greeted with a full screen image and a large button that says enter site. It's 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 so annoying. You're taking control away from the visitor. Um, so a, a lot of possible technical mistakes. Yeah, I haven't even thought about some of them. It's important to be aware of all these things to avoid giving people a bad user experience. I'm also annoyed when I see that big enter button on some websites. No offense to anyone who does it, but yeah, I also have that experience. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did, and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% of your first year as a premium member. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it's all about user experience, giving um, visitors control over the browsing experience, not trying to force them into something. And that control comes into, the lack of control comes into many different fashions. Like I said, splash pages, but also kind of hiding the navigation menu behind a, a small hamburger icon on desktop, especially, or homepage slideshows, large slideshows are a big bad beef of mine. They're awful for user experience. No one has the patience anymore to sit through a slow slideshow on the homepage. People just see the first image in the slideshow or the second. They they judge the website by it and then they scroll past. So stuff like that. Right. And there are so many website builders out there, Squarespace and WordPress. Which one do you think is the best? Um, is it possible to create a good website on any of those website platforms? Um, yeah, it is. It is possible. Usually the discussion about website platform is what I call a, a game of compromises. Um, WordPress, the kind of obviously the big player in the industry, it's the most powerful and flexible out of all of them, of course, with its ecosystem of plugins and themes. Um, it has drawbacks, of course. It's uh, it requires some maintenance. It's more difficult to build for the novice, you know, photographer. Um, you can get the best possible results from it. Uh, then you have other generic uh, website platforms like Squarespace or Wix. Those are easier to set up for beginners, 
uh, it's you get what you see kind of templates. So they're fast, faster to set up, usually suitable for simple portfolio websites. They're not as good for performance or for SEO. They can't match the SEO capabilities of something like WordPress. Um, so pros and cons. And then besides these platforms, you have photography specific platforms that allow you to build a website and maybe sell images, licenses or prints. And in that department, you have photo shelters, smug mug, um, you know, photo deck is a new option. I have started to look into, um, I don't know the other bigger players and the choice is usually about the needs for the website. If e-commerce comes into play, options get much more limited. You have to look into the platform that offers the specific e-commerce tools that you want. Um, if you're selling licenses, all of them offer royalty-free prices, like fixed prices based on image dimensions, but rights-managed licenses, not all of them do. Same with prints. If you're looking for self-fulfilled prints or auto-fulfilled prints, the order goes directly to a print lab. Um, options <laughs> vary there in terms of needs, but it, it is possible to build a simple, good website on most platforms. Uh, it depends on the needs, the SEO goals, and all of that. Budget is an important thing to keep in mind when creating websites. And of course, as we've mentioned earlier, everyone is different, everyone has different needs, so the prices will vary. But on average, how much can a photographer expect to pay for the creation of a website from start to finish? Well, uh, again, it, it depends on the platform. Um, it, it can range from free, like a do-it-yourself approach. Like I said, putting up a, a simple Squarespace website can be done in a day for a simple portfolio website, and it can be done by the photographer directly. Then building something intermediary, I don't know, a hundred to two hundred, uh, sorry, a thousand to two thousand dollars for a kind of a simple portfolio website on any platform mostly. And then once you build kind of a more complex website with e-commerce, with customization, not using a specific template or theme, but building something custom made visually and e-commerce stuff that can range widely. It can go above $5,000 for a great website. So it depends on the state of the business for each photographer and their goals. Yeah, and it's good that there are different options for different kinds of budgets. And obviously somebody who is more professional and has lots of clients will be able to afford the more expensive options. Um, so it's good that you know there's something for everyone out there. Yeah, and, and the thing I would add here is the flexibility of each platform to maybe grow in the future. And again, I think WordPress would be the winner here because it's so expandable and it can grow into more uh, as the photographer grows and the business grows. You can add components to that website. You can add an e-commerce store. You can add a blogging section. Whereas you're kind of, you're more locked in on Squarespace or Wix. Uh, it's difficult to build those extra features. So that's something to take into consideration as well. Yeah, that's an important thing to keep in mind, especially if you want to run a long-term business. And I guess WordPress seems to have the most potential when it comes to that. Yeah. 
So if someone has a blog on their website, how often should they create posts? Because I know a lot of people struggle with this. They don't know how consistent they need to be. So do you have any tips for people who are not sure what to do with their blogs? Well, it's a best efforts type of strategy. Um, I, if I come here and say post daily or post weekly, some photographers might sigh. Maybe it's too difficult for them and they don't know what to post about or they don't have the time for it. Um, some level of consistency is important. So maybe once a week seems to be a good sweet spot for most photographers who are busy with actually shooting photos. Um, it's more about, so frequency is one thing, but it's also the, the quality of the post and what they're providing to readers, how useful and educational those posts are. Um, you could get away with one post a month if it's maybe long form and in-depth and providing value. It doesn't have to be weekly or more often than that. It's m more about maybe quality than quantity. Um, and this is a, a, basically a different problem from what you asked me about. Uh, what to post about maybe is a more common struggle for photographers. Uh, because I, I've seen all sorts of mistakes on, on photography blogs, like just posting, uh, dumping 20 photos from a, a recent photo shoot and maybe one paragraph of text. It's just, that's basically a, a simple portfolio page. It's not worth, as a reader, it's not worth coming back to that blog to check in more. I can see portfolios anywhere to make a blog attractive, it's providing value. It's writing tips and educational stuff there. It's um, 10 tips on what to wear for a photo shoot or how you're different as a photographer. Explain, basically deconstruct the experience that clients get from working with you as a photographer into 10, 15 items and make one useful blog post about each one. That's a more useful blogging approach than just acting as a kind of a portfolio piece. Yeah, that's very good advice. And quality is definitely more important than quantity. And people can sense that when they read articles. If you rush and you just post whatever, then people are going to sense that whether you like it or not. So it's definitely important to spend some time thinking about the kind of content you want to create. On your website, I notice you have a lot of free downloads and freebies in addition to having a blog post where people can find out more about things that you do. So should photographers also have a section for free downloads and, and things like that? Would that be a good idea for some kind of photographers? Um, free downloads are, I, I, you can provide most of the content um, in the blog section in the article directly, right? Free downloads and freebies and resources are usually a, a good tool for a newsletter to to gather subscribers to the newsletter. And I do that as well because it works. I provide a bunch of free content in the articles, but then I go more in depth or I provide more resources and stuff in the resources. And it's email gated, basically. You have to put in your email to join the newsletter to get access to kind of the private resources. And photographers often use this approach as well, and it, it works well. Uh, if they have a newsletter or um, a common practice I've seen is they 
hides the the service pricing, the, the pricing packages as a PDF for anyone who joins the the email list, and it works. It it gets more subscribers, and that's probably a great asset to have as a photographer besides the website and to, to grow an email list. It may be more important than social media profiles or other stuff. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a useful approach. If it's useful educational content packaged up as a resource, as a guide, as a checklist, um, yeah, it's useful. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, it's always about providing value. If you can approach it from that perspective, then I think you'll definitely have more subscribers and more clients, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Earlier in this episode, you mentioned sizing and compressing images. So what should photographers know about that when it comes to their websites? Um, The goal for sizing images is obviously uh, website performance and maybe user experience in general. And the thing not to do is to upload high-res images to the website because regardless of the platform or any kind of prevention measures, tools you have, people can still access the high-res image from the source code or do screenshots to get the, I mean, not not through screenshots, but through the source code to get the full res image. Um, but when it comes to performance and images, uh, if, if you put any photography website into a website speed testing tool like uh, Google PageSpeed Insights or GT Metrics, um, most of the complaints there will be about images. And the solution for optimizing images is maybe, let's see, threefold. Uh, one is to upload images at the proper image dimensions so they're not too large and uh, then to compress the images so the JPEG compression level um, that photographers export their images at in Photoshop or Lightroom before uploading to the website and then extra compression in a lossless manner that the website can handle automatically or that photographers can handle with free tools, JPEG mini or a slew of other web tools. Uh, The goal is to try to bring the file sizes as low as possible to an acceptable level of, you know, quality of JPEG noise and artifacts. Um, Usually, to make it even more practical, maybe cut down on the image dimensions to something like uh, 1500 pixels on the long edge or 2000 pixels on the long edge at a maximum and set the JPEG compression level to around 70%. Uh, Each photographer can play around with that. Uh, It depends on the image contents, but something around that line. So those dimensions coupled with that compression level usually outputs JPEG files at around 500 kilobytes on average, definitely below one megabyte each. And that's good enough to have websites fast. And then extra compression is trying to squeeze that those file sizes even more without affecting visual um, visually the photo at all. Um, and that's how you make testing tools happy, and that's how you make the website faster and a better experience. Okay, that's interesting. And is it important to create specific file names for the images that you upload? Um, that maybe has a, a tiny SEO advantage in doing that because Google can read 
file names um, as all, image alt tags. With file names, maybe both with file names and image alt tags, um, the strategy here is to keep it simple and to make it specific to each photo. So the mistake I often see here is uh, a photographer trying to rank for headshot photographer New York, let's say. They just copy paste that exact phrase into all all tags and into image file names. So headshot dash photographer dash ny dash one, two, three, four, and so forth. That's not even doesn't help rank for that search. It can even backfire. Google hates seeing repeated content and it, it knows you're trying to over optimize for that phrase and it will ignore you at the very best. Um, so a better approach is to describe the contents of each photo in three, five words and put that into the file name and to the alt tags. Of course, that takes time and effort uh, instead of just leaving it as the original random number. Um, but it can help, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's good to know as well. And, and all of this collectively will pay off. So even if it does take time and effort, then you might be able to attract even more people to your website. As you said, file names are the most important thing, but still, I think collectively, along with everything else, um, it can all help in a big way. Yeah, when it comes to SEO, it's it's uh, a game of priorities. Uh, I wouldn't say spending a lot of time adding unique alt tags and file names is at the top of the list, because maybe at the top of the list is to get backlinks from other websites. Um, that will help you jump in rankings much higher. And then number two would be to add more text content to the website. Like I said, maybe image captions and gallery descriptions and informational pages on the website, more text on the homepage, more text on the services page. Those help SEO, help Google under, better understand the website contents. And then you go into more technical specific, the SEO tags for the pages, and the image SEO aspects, file names, alt tags, and the others. Mm -hmm. That's really good to know. Thank you for sharing that. Color matters a lot to many photographers and the way that their images appear on screens is important. There are different kinds of screens, and I know you have some experience with this. So what can they do when it comes to their images, uh, when it comes to optimization for, for screens in general? Are you talking about uh, color spaces of the actual photos or colors on the website around the photos? So when you sent me your the topics, uh, you said optimizing for um, for retina screens. Okay. Yeah. So um, on photography websites, retina screens are devices, modern devices. Uh, it's it's a term coined by. Apple and their um, phones and recent tablets and laptop screens, they have retina displays, which mean they have a high resolution pixel count. Pixels are smaller. Um, that means it requires uploading images at slightly higher um, pixel dimensions, so they look extra crisp and sharp on those high density screens. Um, this increases file sizes. It's, it's a compromise again, but Mostly it's about um, on mobile devices, if the website is properly fluid and mobile friendly and it shrinks down the larger image into a smaller version, 
that can fit on mobile, of course. It it will look extra sharp on, on retina screens on iPhones. Um, that has nothing to do basically with uh, color scheme or science. Um, it's just a matter of sizing the images in pixels. And one thing I'll add here, because I've spoken about a lot about image dimensions, it's and print photographers are often confused about DPI. They think they need to put a different DPI number in their in their photo. This has nothing to do with the web. The web is all about pixel dimensions. It doesn't matter what DPI you said. The DPI is just uh, an instruction for the printer um, when printing images, not when displaying on the website. So they should only focus on pixel dimensions regardless of the DPI. Okay, that's all great information. Well, Alex, I have one more question for you, and that is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Um, I'd like to help photographers treat um, their work more seriously as a business and not just a hobby to take it to kind of take it to the next level. And as I said in the beginning, that's partly to do with technical aspects and maybe that's where my work comes in, but also it's about the the courage, the emotional skills to take to grow the business is to have the courage to experiment with different styles and niches is to have the courage to position themselves as as photographers in a tiny niche to become an expert in a field and not just have this you know race to the bottom as Seth Godin calls it uh, it's all to competing on prices everyone and just being forgotten in, in the in the sea of amateurs out there it's going to the next level and becoming an expert a pro is skills it's time it, it's experience but it's also the, the current stuff and i kind of enjoy that psychological aspect of it and i'll do my best to um, encourage photographers through my content that's a wonderful goal alex thank you so much for everything you do for photographers i'm happy that there are people like you who help people get a better idea of how they can present their services in a better way in the photography industry and you've already helped so many people out there. So thank you so much for taking the time to share your technical knowledge with me. I learned a lot and I wish you the very best with your journey. Thank you as well. Uh, this was fun and I'm, I'm open to any emails and questions from anyone listening. I always reply to, to requests and questions. Thank Wonderful. You. And how can people find you if they want to find out more about your services? Uh, they can just go to my website, foregroundweb.com, so F-O-R-E, groundweb.com, and that's where they can find out all the articles and services and everything. Wonderful. I'll leave all the links to Alex's work in the description, so make sure to check out his services. He's got a lot of great things uh, to share on his website, so I'm sure you'll learn a lot. And once again, thank you. Thank you as well. Great Big Photography World wouldn't be what it is without our incredible listeners. We're grateful for the time you take to listen to other photographers' stories and share your feedback with us. If you'd like to help us keep this podcast running smoothly, you can become a member on our website. In return for your help, we'll provide you with all kinds of exciting perks. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com. There's a link to it in the show notes. I learned a lot from Alex in this interview, and I hope that you did as well. 
building a photography website isn't easy, but if you do it the right way, then it will definitely be worth all the time and money. If you want to join this conversation and ask Alex some questions, feel free to join our online photography community. There's a link to it in the description. It's free to join and you're welcome to interact with the other members and share your personal photography knowledge with everybody. We look forward to seeing you there. See you next week. There's a simple reason why photographycourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.